0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and hello, Vince. Welcome back to uh, the campfire. It's great to be back. It is. Wheel out the marshmallows. Wheel out the marshmallows. Wheel out whatever else. Maybe some damper. Some damper. I love damper. I don't like the white stuff all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say any other, any white stuff on my face <laughs> usually is something else, but...
2: you're going to cost a lot more than damper.
1: Yeah, and I'm also going to stop right there because that can maybe sound a bit weird. Don't try this at home, kids. Man. Don't try this at home. Now, we've got a hard... What's the time now? 20 past three. You've got a meeting at 4.30. Correct. So, we've got like a hard hour for this camp. So, i will wolf
2: my marshmallows.
1: So, we're not putting any more Ch- chat on something. the fire. <laughs> okay, Vince. Now, for those who are new to the podcast, my name's Glenn James. This is Vince Scully. He's a regular on the show. He runs a business called Life Shopper. And you, if you're an old hand at the podcast, uh, we will Vince in uh, when we've got hard questions or we've had these kind of deep dive campfire chats where I just chew the fat with Vince. Uh, I would say at the outset, it is more of a uh, intermediate to advanced type chat. We're not going to park and explain- it's About year eight. About year eight, yeah. We're not going to park and explain the acronym of an ETF, uh, but- you know, we're just going to talk as if we would talk over a coffee, mm. which I haven't had my third one today yet, Vince. So no,
2: no no glee coffee today? No glee coffee today.
1: <laughs> now, in recent times, if you have been following personal financial finfluences. And finfluences? All that personal finance goodness online, uh, there's been a bit of discussion about robo-advice. So, I think- it's very misunderstood Ooh. and to really understand it, I think you need to almost, and I'm not trying to patronise the listener. Just one. Just just patronising you or me, uh, yeah, or the one listener. It's, it's almost like you need to just first start to understand legislated financial advice, mm-hmm. what ASIC say financial advice is, what scaled advice is. So I think if we start there, then we can kind of go back, Vince, and then talk about how we get to Mm robo-advice. That sounds good. So I don't know, like, do you have any comments initially on getting financial advice from a traditional financial planning business and how that process works and then what ASIC say is advice and what isn't advice?
2: Yeah, I think it's worth... Stopping for a moment and thinking but what is the problem we're trying to solve here when we go to invest so with the internet you know, it's become so easy to go and buy whatever investment is that you think you want to buy and there's a very limited number of things you can invest in it's really shares bonds cash um, property uh, bitcoin bitcoin <laughs> Crypto uh, and uh, NTFs, NTFs, digital, all the good stuff. All those digital beanie babies. Mm. And um, but between having some money to invest and making that decision, there's a lot of confusion. Thought needs to be done. So, what do I actually? How do I actually take this ten thousand dollars and what do I actually buy? Yeah, there's this chasm of yeah, confusion. A chasm of confusion. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so. Traditionally, when people weren't talking about $10,000, they were talking about $100,000, they would have wandered down the road to the local stockbroker or the local um, financial advisor and be given a tailored portfolio. The internet sort of taken away some of that friction, and now we have, you you can buy managed funds, you can buy Vanguard, you can um, sign up with a robo-advisor, you can buy a Managed fund with a fancy app in front of it with a spaceship logo mm. and- um, or, a, a, a logo. <laughs> or a Razor logo. Or a Razor logo.
1: And I don't even know what the Razor logo is, but whatever. <laughs> and and
2: that comes with the need to get some help in doing that. Mm. So many people turn to Uncle Bob at the barbecue. They listen to podcasts and get the best possible advice. And um, Best possible
1: general advice. That's
2: right. Your mileage may vary, and, um, or then go to a traditional advisor. Traditional advisors have been traditionally very expensive because it's you know trained people, fancy offers. Service-based expensive business. Coffee. It's a service-based business, and every hour they spend talking to you is an hour they're not spent talking to someone else, and there's only 1,800 hours in a year, so it costs money. Mm. Technology is helping in hindering. Mm. So with the internet, there's no end of information out there. Um, but to try and distill that into the insights that says, here's what I do with this $10,000 in my circumstances, that's where we start getting what comes under the regulations as financial advice. Mm. And at its simplest, financial advice is simply a statement that's likely to influence someone's decision to buy or sell financial products, so which all is the, pretty uh, broad.
1: So Okay, so if I'm a Finfluencer out there, Vince, mm-hmm. and I say – hey, everyone, let's talk about super. Hashtag Glenn invests. Yeah, like have I, because I've got a TikTok account now, Vince. Do you? You're a TikToker. Okay. I forget what, the, what my name is, but I've if I say, hi, guys, it's Glenn's TikTok, and I start talking Don't about- you have to dance and have music you you do, to do that? Yeah. And if I start dancing about superannuation and talking about superannuation, as ASIC like to put it, I've crossed- The Rubicon. The, the threshold. Crossed the I, Hawkesbury. Because I am talking about a product class- Yeah. And giving my opinion. Yep. Starting. <laughs> starting to smell like advice. So, if I'm- And- So, if I've got a, a FinFluence account and I say, hey, peeps, here's a review of this platform- for example. And, and you give it four and a half rubber chickens. And I give it four and a half stars out of five. That's an opinion. So ASIC say that's financial advice.
2: Yep. Because I've given my opinion on it. Yep. So we're. At, Next question is Is that advice that needs a license? And that's where it starts getting really grey. And, you
1: know, I've shared previously that I've decided to take the higher ground and pay for a general advice license. So, all the my millennial money money stuff we do. Uh, there's a financial services guide on our website.
2: Mm-hmm. So I, which everyone reads and downloads.
1: Absolutely. So, but to the advice thing, if I am, so I can get advice anywhere. I can go to TikTok. Yep. I can go to Instagram. I can go to a podcast. It could be rubbish advice. But it's still technically advised. It is. And so, rewind back to the, I go to my financial planning office, traditional 101 financial planning office. We sit down or Zoom, do the dance. We consider your personal information, circumstances. We provide a customized document. Mm -hmm. And we say, we recommend you do this, this, and this.
2: Here's a statement of advice. Yep. And here's how we'll help you implement it. And here's how we'll keep you on track over the next few years. Yeah. And traditionally, that's been an expensive purchase. And so now with technology, some elements of that are being automated.
1: Question. So in the group the other day, someone said, oh, i got a quote for three and a half grand for financial advice. Why is that shocking? where I paid $2,000 to have my Mitsubishi air conditioner installed in my house.
2: Well, that's pretty cool.
1: And I won't excuse the pun. <laughs> but like, so if I, I'm i happy to pay $2,000 for the guy to come in and install my air conditioner, happy for my house to be cool to make comfortable, why does it irk me if I have to pay three and a half thousand dollars to get sound advice for my future.
2: Yeah. It, I mean, I think part of the the way we behave as humans is I can feel cool tonight with or warm tonight with mm. my Mitsubishi air conditioner. Mm. I can see it, I can touch it. I paid it, extra there. for the integration to Google Home. So
1: on the oh, way home
2: you? I can go, yes can go, set, go, hey Google. Hey, yeah, set don't crank it up. Yeah, set it to twenty four. Um, and advice that's not going to be evident that it's worked for months, years, or decades—it's mm. a difficult thing for our monkey brains to get around. Because it's non-tangible, isn't yeah, it? that's right. Yeah, and and I just thought of that analogy. Like,
1: I don't get my back out of place if I'm paying two grand for this or a
2: three thousand dollars hot tub to put on my deck. Mm. Not that I've got that, but it's just well, an interesting... planning planning a holiday. Um, you walk into a travel agent, Mm. travel agent gets 5 to 10% of whatever you spend. Mm. That's not a problem. Mm. But we are hardwired for short-term gratitude, Mm. gratification, and getting a better future is a pretty hard thing for us to put Mm. a real handle on. I've got $2,000 in my pocket. Do I go buy some advice or do I go buy a Mitsubishi air conditioner? Mm. And pretty hard to make that decision. So, so part of that means that advice has largely been limited to older people. Mm. So, two-thirds of all financial planning clients are over 55 and people with more money. Mm. And generally, the ordinary podcast listener is left out in the dark. And I, I
1: will say, like, I was being dramatic there for that example, and it is – and this is the whole thing like- Oh, you mean it wasn't a Mitsubishi air conditioner? <laughs> it was definitely Mitsubishi. But I mean, I my whole thing with, um, you know, w- we were talking, uh, Bricklet have come on the tour that we're doing and trying to explain something that's new. Mm. It's just so, like it's legitimate, but it's so hard to grasp because it's not in my day-to-day. Mm. And, you know, I'll say it before and I'll say it again, like, you know, rocking up with an electric car- Oh wow. I can't fathom how that could work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, no, it's been around forever. Technology is solid. Yep. It's just not in your day-to-day. Mm-hmm. So it's a legitimate question, but I think the legitimate answer is yes, there has, you know, there's been a lot of cleaning up in the financial advice world. And I dare say 99.95 of advisors out there Mm -hmm. are not sharks and dodgy and are out to rip you off. That's right. Like it's the legitimate cost of business. Yeah. So, I just want to kind of say like, yes, understanding the financial advice and it just, you need to understand how that world works before you can start to talk to robo advice.
2: Yeah, I think you need to understand what question you're trying to answer So the robo-advice, which really is just a robot plus advice equals robo-advice, and really it just means it's automated advice. And so rather than trying to answer the answer to everything, which as we all know is 42 Mm. or Vanguard, Mm. and slim it down to I've got $10,000, what do I invest it in? And it answers that question very simply, by looking at your goals, your time frame, and your risk profile, and putting you in one of a handful, or recommending one of a handful of pre, pre-mixed portfolios. And that's a, very, that's a relatively straightforward question for a computer to answer the bigger questions is should I should I pay off my home loan, invest or put money in super? Much more complicated question. Very difficult for a computer to answer that and question. I guess my point is
1: if I went to a financial advisor and said, I don't want any other advice. I don't want the platinum package and all that stuff. I've got ten thousand dollars. Tell me where to invest it. So really specific that would be considered scaled advice. That's right. So I would issue a statement of advice document, which is kind of considered scaled advice, which it's rubbish because every advice document is yeah. scaled advice. Yeah. Because- oh, yeah. I must
2: be I'm not a fan of the way these words have developed. You know, you've got limited scope advice, you've got scaled advice, you've got robo advice, you've got full scale advice. Well, it's all advice. The question is, you've got to ask, what question am I trying to answer? And to answer your question about, I've got 10 grand, where do I invest it? Um, you can get the stripped back version, which says, which of these six portfolios should I choose if I've got 10 grand? Of our portfolios. <laughs> <laughs> of The ones that we happen to have put together. Yeah. Or do I want a general view that takes into account, well, I've got 10,000 today, but I'm putting in $500 a month. So I need to consider my transaction costs going forward. I need to think about when I might want to get back. I think I might want to look broader than the six pre-mixed portfolios. That's now cranking up the advice to not which of these six should I buy, but should I invest and where should I invest? Well, then it goes down to tax structures yep.
1: and all the things that matter. But I guess I wanted to say, if you go to that advisor and said, you know, you know I don't want debt management advice. Just tell me this- there's going to be a baseline threshold to turn on the statement of advice. Yeah. factory. Yeah. So there's going to be a minimum cost for me to rock up and have a meeting with yeah. you and all that. And I'd love to share but that's four ninety nine. dollars Yes. So there you go, everyone. You can go to Vince, tell him I sent you. So this kind of gets to the crux with this robo-advice. You know, there was commentary, it's not really advice and all that. Well, it is. It is advice. It's just advice on where do I put my money? And they'll issue a statement
2: of advice. It's a very simple, restricted piece of advice going, here's my $10,000, which of these six should I choose? Yep. Yeah. Now, in Australia,
1: um, the two main quote-unquote robo-advisors, mm-hmm. uh, you've got Stockspot. Have you met Chris? Yep. I added him on LinkedIn the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get him on the podcast because I think he's I think pretty be good. dialled in. Yep. Like he's a, he's a straight shooter. Uh, so you've got he's a media superstar. S- he is. Um, he's got you've got Stock Spot and Six Park. Now And probably Clover. Yes. So I think you need to know that when you go to this robo advisor, they will never replace. For the financial advisors out there listening, you'll always have a job hmm. because the robo advisors won't ever see the husband or the wife or the partner or whatever sitting there squirming in their seat. Yep because they're strapped in for the ride of the partner who wants to do this. Exactly. So it's just an execution thing. Now, if we want to turn it up a notch, you look at raise. So if you look at raise and Stockspot or Six Park, they are all pre-mixed options, right?
2: Yeah. And the only real distinction between raise and Stockspot or Six Park is that raise will not, tell you which of the six portfolios to choose. Thank you. So that so they looks
1: like a duck quacks like a duck all that stuff. But the robo advisor is a little less ducky. I don't know where I'm going here. <laughs> but they will tell you to invest here based on the questions we've asked you and they'll provide you with a formal statement
2: of advice which says you've told us this about you This is the information we've relied on and therefore we recommend portfolio B for these reasons.
1: Yes. Now, that advice document is legal. Um, It's, you know, you could sue them and say, I've provided this statement of advice. It was misleading or whatever because this is the crap thing about the advice world, Vince. You can issue crap advice that's compliant. All right. Sort of. I've, I've, okay, I've seen uh, the amount of crap that I've seen that's compliant. Like, go with me, like, yeah. self-managed super fund, you know, buy these unlisted properties, it's all improper. Like, yeah. sure, it's compliant, quote, unquote, yeah. because they've ticked the boxes, but the strategy sucks.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, whilst that may tick all of the boxes, um, the underlying advice still has to be in your best interests and leave you better off. Mm. And you can have the most compliant documentation around it, but if it fails that basic test, um,
1: yeah, I think that's a real problem. Mm. So, moving to this Mm -hmm. robo-advice, and this is, I guess, what I'm getting at. You can't actually really compare Stockspot, Six Park, with Rays or Spaceship. Or ComSec. Correct. Or SelfWealth or OpenTrader. Yeah. Because they're actually different offerings.
2: Yeah. So there's three, three, four different products you just rattled off there. Exactly. They all tend to get thrown about in the same sentence. But, you know, ComSec, SelfWealth, Superhero, Perler. OpenTrader. OpenTrader. They're all just, they're brokers. So what they're going to do is take your order. They're and, just executing a trade. send it to the stock exchange for execution. Pretty simple. That is is simple. Obviously, the decision as to what share I buy, when and at what price, and how long I hold it for, that's the secret sauce. But all of those products are simply taking your order and funneling it into the market. You can step up from there to a managed fund, which is Spaceship. Or MIS. Or a managed... Investment Investment scheme. 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 Or a collective investment vehicle in the industry. Jeez. A CIV. But that is a structure which pulls the money from lots of smaller investors and invests in an underlying portfolio of shares. In the case of Spaceship, that's a, a highly concentrated portfolio- so Spaceship's an unlisted managed fund. It's an fund. unlisted managed investment scheme with a fancy app in the front of it. Sign me up, baby. Mm. I've been sold. And yeah, you know, that, has, that has its place. And being a managed investment scheme comes with a number of protections and a number of downsides. Um, it means they've got a license from ASIC top operate a scheme. The scheme is registered. The scheme is audited. Um, they've got some checks and balances. It does what's on the box. It does precisely what's on the box. The Never used to. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, the downside, of course, is that it, in the event of the underlying markets were illiquid, you might not get your money back for a while. It comes with some costs and it comes with some tax implications of other people's behaviour. I want to
1: park that. Yep, six park it. I want to six park that because we're going to compare this. But I, I just want to, for those who you know, haven't listened to our ramblings before when I joked with spaceship and what was on the box, mm-hmm. you know, does what is on the box. And I joked and said it never used to mm-hmm. because when they launched, excuse the pun, <laughs> failure they, to launch, they said, we will actively invest in the world's tech companies that are yeah. going to the moon.
2: Didn't they didn't However, knuckles wrapped by the regulator for that?
1: And they got fined mm-hmm. because, and don't quote me on this, but I think maybe over or around 50% of the fund was an index fund. Mm -hmm. So, over-egging the pudding. So, ASIC said, tut, 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 tut. Don't say you actively choose Mm. the sexy investments when you've got a bloody index fund.
2: So, give us $12,000, fix it and move on. And if we can't rely on what people are telling us in their ads, that is a sad day. Um, you know, truth in advertising, mm. is that really too much to hope for? Apparently.
1: Okay, so Spaceship Managed Fund. So we've got the brokers over here, which is just executing your instructions. Next step, you know, you raise and your Spaceship and, you know, we will premix and just make it easy for you. You still choose, but you get the consolidated tax statement and it's a portfolio in a box. Yeah. So with
2: Spaceship, you choose A or B? Yeah, nothing that might be C now. Yeah, I forgot it. Um, yeah, so you got universe, earth, and... I don't know. Is there an Emerald what, League one, like Raise? Whatever the third one's called. You then can, I would say, step up to Raise, which... Controversial. Um, and by step up, I mean add some functionality. Yeah. And so Raise gives you many of the advantages of um, pooling your money, access on an app, but what you're getting is your own little bit of the underlying portfolio. Mm. So you choose- I like it when you talk dirty mm. to me. So you pick the Emerald portfolio. Is Emerald an app? Yeah, I you think know? it's the Emerald um, one. So pick an Emerald portfolio. You actually get your own little bit of that that they're holding for you. Nice of them. Yeah, which is solve the tax problem with the managed investment schemes Mm. to an extent. So, you're now not exposed to the behaviour. So, as an example,
1: Mm. um, if I own $10,000 in spaceship, a big shareholder who might own a million dollars in spaceship says, I want to withdraw and they have to sell down to pay that person out. Yep. You're going to get a tax bill. Because of their tax consequences. That's right. So you don't really have your own mandate.
2: Correct. Whereas with a raise, you do. So you're saying, in effect, you're saying to raise, I want you to buy a little bit of each one of those ETFs in Mm. the portfolio for me Mm. and keep them safe for me. Mm. So you're not exposed to what other raise investors do. So it doesn't matter how many people come and go out of raise. And so you've solved that problem. But keep in mind that the underlying assets are actually ETFs, which are managed investment schemes in their own right. Mm. So you are, to an extent, exposed to the behaviour of other investors. I might just grab this tinfoil hat i will go behind here. <laughs> so, and ETFs have solved some of that problem compared to normal managed investment schemes. So, without labouring that point, the results from the Ray's structure should give you a better result than the same assets held in the Ray's structure, in the spaceship structure. Now, they're not the same assets, and the difference in the assets, or the difference in the behaviour of the assets will cause a much bigger difference than these minor structural differences. And it's a closed shop.
1: You're looking at me you want me to explain that. yeah. Because you can't buy stuff at a closed shop, can you? Well, you can, but you're stuck in there. Mm -hmm. So, I can't say to Spaceship, I don't want to be part of your platform anymore. They'll say, well, that's fine. Sell down and piss off. That's right. Where it might lead to this robo-advice thing and a lot of these robo-advisors use what we call MDAs.
2: Yep. So, stepping up now from... Raise to a six-park or a stock spot. Again, you've got six basic portfolios, but now they're adding in, they will provide you advice as to which of those six you should buy for your circumstances.
1: And you pay for that, quote-unquote, advice. Not that it is, quote-unquote, advice, because it's actually advice. It is actually advice. You pay for that advice with either the $10 a month fee. Yep. And then because they pay you a... Um, because they provide you with some consolidated reporting at the end of the year and you are effectively on a platform, if you will, um, they will provide you with a consolidated tax statement at the end of the year. That's right. So So what's the problem? I'm getting what I pay for. I'm getting advice. I'm getting rebalanced every quarter without having to pay brokerage. And I'm getting a statement at the end of the year with no drama and the underlying investments... A chess sponsored, so what's the problem? Apart from cost, very little. But I'm paying for the advice. That's right. Yeah. So, there's no real problem because if I understand I get what I pay for.
2: That's right. You are – the difference – and in fact, I'm not sure there's very much difference in cost when you add it all up, Um, that what you're paying for is the underlying portfolio – so, that's the same cost that you would pay to hold- So, up. for example, the six-park portfolio,
1: they're a blend of ETFs Correct. across the asset classes. Correct. So, they're going to have Australian equities, they're going to have international equities, um, yep. and so on and so forth. So,
2: assuming that- I don't know which ETFs, but let's assume that they get their US exposure by using iShares IVV. I IVV. Yeah. The IVV you buy- through Six Park is the same IVV you would buy direct, but you don't have the minimum parcel limitation. So you don't have to start with Mm. $500. You don't have to worry about um, brokerage because they are trading in bigger chunks and um, you get all that reporting. The kicker with,
1: you know, these stock spots and I actually don't know if there's a minimum for stock spot, but Six Park... They're saying you've got to have five grand. Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, that's probably just a practical limitation that if you got less than five grand, is it really worth paying for advice? Once you well, get to 10, <coughs> or, you, yeah, if you've got 10 grand and you're investing $500 a month, now you really do need advice because there's a lot more at stake. Mm. If you're starting off with 50 bucks or 100 bucks,
1: the, yeah, but I don't know if they charge you that $10 a month just to have money in the cash
2: account. I'm not even sure you can have a cash account on its own. I think you have to be invested or not invested. No, you get
1: a Macquarie CMA
2: with Six Park. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I've got one of those. I've had one for years. Yeah. Great, great accounts. I've been meaning to get one. And those black credit cards. Ooh.
1: I don't use credit cards, Vince. Mm-hmm. No, but I, I mean- I I just wanted to kind of just unpack that it's a progression and there's an old saying that came out of England a billion years ago called horses for courses, Hmm. which basically means, you know, if it's a wet track, throw the horse on that track
2: that's suited to that one Hmm. and it'll do better. So, I mean, my take on it is if you're just starting out you got your Marisa Stash, you got your debts paid off, and you got 50 or 100 bucks to spare, something like a Razor or a spaceship will teach you a lesson that's worth the fr- price of admission. Yeah. And that lesson is how you behave when you see the market on your phone every day going up and down. And if if it goes up and you feel like you're the next Warren Buffett, then maybe investing's not for you. Here's a lesson. Mm-hmm. Don't
1: have the freaking app on your phone and just check it every exactly. six months or a year. Um,
2: but that, you know, at the starting point, seeing your fifty dollars become fifty dollars and twenty cents is a an experience that you you can learn from before it's fifty thousand dollars going up to fifty thousand two hundred, and the those apps do a really good job of that, and they come with a little bit of education, so they they're good. Um, the big plus for Raise in my book is, apart from not lying to their customers, um, is the rewards, mm. that the booking.com award on its own is worth the $3.50 a month. Really? Should I get a raise account? You should get a raise account. Interesting. Your money may vary. Fees, terms, conditions, supply, read the PDFs. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, um, and then when you've got some real money, mm. now it's time to start getting some real advice because it really matters. Yeah, because the whole thing is, if you're confident
1: enough, to know that you want Vanguard Diversified Growth Fund or Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund, Mm -hmm. well, go bloody buy it. Go on. See ya. But if you want to be told and you want to actually get advice of I don't know what to invest Mm -hmm. in, well, you're going to have to pay for advice because a podcast can't tell you and Instagram can't tell you. And especially TikTok and can't especially tell you. especially TikTok can't tell you. And the question is, do you want to pay $1,600 with a bricks and mortar financial advisor? You might want to. Yep. Awesome. Or do you want to pay $10 a month and a platform fee with Six Park? And I don't even know how much stock spot is because within that fee – it's not only the advice that they provide, and this is why I'm a bit of a fan of the MDAs, Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, they As do, opposed to MDMA. Yeah. Whew, wild night, or the Special K. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it is their IP that you're paying for. You are. Because they say that we believe our portfolios do better than the other ones. And, and they've got Nobel Prizes to prove it. And all that stuff. So you are paying for advice. You are paying for their IP with their
2: strategic asset allocation. Yeah. And remember, the the cost of not taking advice could be a lot, mm. a lot more than the cost of the advice and you'll never know how much it is. Mm. So, you know, the internet's made things deceptively simple. So four little letters, the an, VDHG being, or VDG. Mm. GR or, or HG, yeah. Is, being the answer that, springs out most from the internet it's deceptively simple Yeah, you know, one little trade and your future's set mm. but what are you buying do you understand what's in there mm. have you consciously made the decision that i want to hedge my part of my overseas share exposure into australian dollars mm. so we people talk about indexing being passive investing There's nothing passive about it. You're making an active choice. With the asset allocation. You're making an active choice for your asset allocation. You're making an active choice to hedge some of your overseas exposure. You're making an active decision to invest in the ASX 300, which is heavily dominated by uh, banks. Mm. Now, none of those decisions are necessarily bad or wrong, but if you're making them or not making them or Mm. making them by default – then those decisions could actually end up costing you a lot more Mm. than a little bit of advice.
1: We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and ask you a question (gasps) about building a portfolio. Ooh, portfolio.
0: (laughs) Portfolio.
1: before I ask you the question about building portfolio, I guess just with this understanding how all these brokers work and the spaceship and the Rays and Six Park and Stock Spot, um, and maybe I'm in a, a personal finance echo chamber mm-hmm. with like the M3 account on Instagram. So I'm seeing all these personal like – I go to my explore page mm-hmm. and there's all these personal finance – F mm-hmm. influencers because they all follow the M three account. Mm-hmm. At, at Glen invests at actually. Hang on, Vince. Let's let's see what my um, at weird women finance. No, no. My <clears throat> my TikTok is called at. Well, it's at get invested with Glen. <laughs> hmm, I've so got twenty four followers. Like <laughs> I got twenty four followers, baby. Watch am I, out! Am I, am I one of them? I don't know, but <laughs> watch out the um, sisters, the Melio sisters, whatever they are, um, at Silver Fox sixty two. Yeah, basically. So, so when Victoria did this thing with Six Park, if you want to go there, mm-hmm. she got a bit of heat around comparing it to financial advice and accessibility. Mm-hmm.
2: And we're not talking about Queen Victoria here, not
1: at all. There's She's another. She's on the money. We're talking about. She's on the money. You know, you're all thinking go there, so let's go there, Vince. Mm -hmm. Stuff it. Cards on the table. Are we going to get beaten up by the woke police for this? We are. Um, So, Victoria, good friend of mine, talked to her a lot. She copped some criticism around her own fee disclosure. Sure, not going there. I don't comment on other people, how they run their business. I will comment though on the misunderstanding of comparing that to normal advice because it is actually formal financial advice. So, therefore, it's actually cheap. There was commentary and I don't even know. And if you're listening, I'm not having a go at you individually because I've seen a lot of different takes on this and I forget who did it to be honest. But like formal advice… Doesn't necessarily mean cash flow and budgeting. That's it right. Doesn't necessarily mean this. Mm. So it is actually a way that you can get accessible financial advice yeah. for ten dollars a month. That's right. And not pay the brokerage on the rebalance every quarter.
2: Yeah. So back to my thing. What's the problem? Yeah. What What are you, What are you actually looking for? And is this the right price to pay for it? Mm. Um, I mean, I think the real problem here, though, is around disclosure rather than the quality of the commentary, that um, as long as you, everyone knows what's going on mm. and everyone knows that it costs money to run a podcast and media has to be paid for, that and if you're not paying for it, you are the product. Mm. So if we all know what is being paid um, and that people don't start hiding it, then that's all good. Mm. And as you say... The difference between buying, some, you know, going down to Comsec and placing an order directly in the market and putting your money into Six Park, they're two different things. Mm. And one comes with a device and the other one doesn't. And you're going to pay for that. I
1: also, and this is just my view, and there's some people, and they probably will listen to these, hi, guys, if you listen, <laughs> you probably know who you are, whatever. I've got some criticism for saying it's okay to pay fees.
2: Well, I think you should be more worried if you're not paying fees. Yes. I mean, obviously fees matter. They matter a a lot. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. But for me, I think, you know, people say, oh, I just want to buy Vanguard. Mm -hmm. uh, So, I'll just do it on ComSec. Awesome. If Glenn James is personally just buying Vanguard- I'm using the Vanguard personal investor mm.
2: because I don't want to do the reporting. Mm. Like, I mean, are you going to spend that time keeping your spreadsheet of your and this in dollars? Yeah.
1: So I'm actually okay to pay 0.2% mm. to have that service.
2: Yeah. I mean, I get people arguing about whether I should buy VTS because it's one basis point cheaper than IVV or vice versa. Mm. Okay. The difference between IVV and VTS is far more than one basis points in fees. And at that point, fees are irrelevant. Mm. And um, sure, you shouldn't be paying 2% or 3%, but the difference between paying 0.08 and 0.07%, the underlying investment difference will be way bigger.
1: Here's one for you, Vince. Uh, I saw in a group the other day, someone was like, oh, I can't wait till Vanguard. Uh, set up their super fund in Australia. Mm. It's going to be the cheapest. They actually right. don't have a license yet, by the way, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Chill out, everyone. Um, my comments are, Vince, running a super fund and being a trustee, you're not going to get super fees of 0.36 or whatever. Mm. Correct. You're probably going to be looking at your normal ETF cost plus at least the 0.2 and probably more for the trustee stuff
2: Hmm. because it just costs money and there's risk and there's licensing and Hmm. there's insurance and there's capital. But this guy, and I assume it's a guy,
1: he said, oh, fees matter and, you know, paying that, you know, it it could be 400 grand over the course of your lifetime. I said to him, he didn't reply, which is fine, but I said, well, me – Buying breakfast and lunch at a cafe every single day Hmm. is probably costing me five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars in retirement. Yep. But because I know, and I'm aware of the trade-off,
2: what's the problem? And the truth is that the eighty percent of super funds are between point eight and one point two percent, and within that range, probably not something to get overly excited about There are much bigger things to worry about than fees. And if you look at the APRA data on super funds, there is zero correlation between fees and returns. That's not to say that fees don't matter, but you've got to be comparing like with like first. And the number one determinant of returns is asset allocation. And some assets cost more than others to manage. So make sure you're comparing funds with the same asset allocation. Well, you know how I'm writing a book.
1: Really? Yeah. You proofed that chapter there was 20,000 <laughs> words. Actually, they wrote, last night they wrote to me and said, oh, we're going to split that chapter up into two. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, that's, that's wise. Because that'll cut down the word count. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, actually, I I talked in the chapter, events and I used an example of a super fund. Mm-hmm. That is one of the cheapest in Australia. It's
2: one of those funds that sleeps, isn't it? It's resting.
1: Uh, yes, it's the resting. It's resting. No, it, no, it's not the resting one. No? It's the other one. Ah, the other one. That um, if I'm a hospitality worker uh-huh. or if I'm a chef, uh-huh. I might use it. And if you would have used the cheapest fee option in comparison to the fee that was 1%, you, over the last 10 years, you would have been worse off. Because the index fund that was point dickity two of a bee's dick yeah. percentage didn't have any asset allocation to infrastructure, property, alternate assets. That's right. And then but that leads into the other discussion, what are they doing behind the scenes with the, yeah. with the unlisted assets?
2: Mm. So, But it's not the same fund and you would expect it to behave differently. Mm. And what you've done is you've cut out the expensive to manage asset classes. So yes, the fees should go down. Mm. but the almost certainly your return will too. So, that's that's a different argument to- Do you
1: reckon they're just loading up the fee of the other one to subsidise the business?
2: Wash your mouth out, <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that. Many would, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean- it- <laughs> And it- you might find yourself in the federal court if you did say that publicly- Allegedly. Allegedly. Some people would say. I would not say that,
1: hypothetically, or whatever the thing is. That's right. Um, but um, where was I going there? No, I don't even know. You, you've lost me now. At this point, we've got about five minutes, and I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Shall I answer your question? I would like you to comment on it. Now, we all know that... Uh, And I'm not having a go at influencers, Like, I love them. Mm -hmm. I'm friends with a lot of them. You are one. (laughs) Wow. I I don't call myself a influencer, Vince. Please. Um, Well, you're too old and not female. I'm old, yeah. I'm a wash up. However, you can't produce enough content when you've got a good social media presence Mm -hmm. because we all love just consuming content. Yep. There are, you know the influencers, they share their pie chart of this is what I'm investing in and all this stuff. And actually, oops, drop my water. I wrote this in my book that we know that on balance, if you're an individual stock selector and a trader, you're basically going to suck long-term. Yep. All the research will support that. Yep. So, sorry, and I like, but to be honest, I love listening to equity Mates podcasts and all that stuff. Like, love it. I just don't allocate more than 10% of my net worth to
2: individual stocks. Okay. I mean, investing should not be exciting. No. If you want excitement, go to the casino or buy Bitcoin. Exactly.
1: Um, Might have done both. Um, so, we know that individual stock selection, if you're building your own portfolio, the data says you're going to suck. Yep. Okay. So, why? Do people share their pie graph and say, I use VAS, I use VTS, I use IVV, I use FAIR, I use BEAR, I use all this. I would hypothesize that if an individual stock selector sucks, an individual person making their own strategic asset allocation is also going to
2: suck. Um. I think it, if you're trying to vary your strategic asset allocation to do what's called tactical asset allocation, mm, I know that for a little that while. That is moving it around a bit. If you say, "Oh, I'm going to go long overseas shares because I think mm. the Australian dollar is going to fall," well, now you're an active investor, mm. and we know that active underperforms passive. So, don't kid yourself that market timing. Asset allocation on ETFs is any different from market timing. Individual stocks. Yeah. You're just doing it with more of the same. So, um, but I guess it's not sexy to share my
1: pie graph and saying I've got 100% asset allocation to
2: beta shares diversified portfolio. That's right. But That's not sexy. Yeah. No. It, it doesn't generate clicks. So, oh. I mean, I'm a, I, I'm not sure I'm a fan of this whole. Here's my net worth. Um, because what different is, generation? Yeah, but what does <laughs> what does net worth mean? <laughs> what does net worth actually mean? I mean, forget the voyeurism of wanting to mm. see what someone else's net worth is. Um, there are so many different ways you can count it. You know, do you count your house in it? Do you count your super in it? Do you only count assets that you could generate some income? Well, I think they count everything. Yeah. Well, is that meaningful? Um, to me. Net worth is a directional measure. That mm. What I'm, what I focus on is not its absolute number, but which way it's moving, trending even, yeah, or trending. Um, you're welcome. So, for example, you know if you if you have a hundred thousand dollars in or two hundred thousand dollars in cash or in VAS for that matter, and you go and buy a house, well, that day your net worth just gone backwards by fifty thousand dollars because you just paid stamp duty mm. and legal fees. So, it, and should I count the house at the price I could realise it for after deducting agents' fees and marketing costs. So it just gets such a complicated. Yeah, I,
1: thing. I, I just think it's you know the the bloggers they do it. It's just what they did. One of the common things that's frequently searched online is Glenn James' net worth. Mm-hmm. You should ask me what my net worth is.
2: For. What is your net worth, Glenn? None of your business. <laughs> Precisely. Um, I, well, not only is it not relevant; it's a meaningless number. Um, why? Why does con- I live a good life. Yeah. But you live in the Central Coast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And drive a Lexus. <laughs> it's true. Um, They're two very good <laughs> things, let me tell you. <laughs> but why, why is comparing myself to Glenn James a positive thing? Because I'm going to get two answers. One, he's got more than I have mm. and I'm going to feel shit. Mm. Or two, I'm going to find out I've got more than he has and I'm going to feel self-satisfied and smug. How do either of those help make the world a better place? I, I just think it's,
1: you know, if you're 20 years old and you've got 150 grand, it's going to make you stand out.
2: Well, the fact that it's positive is a good start. Yeah, that's right. I mean, most 22-year-olds I mean, have negative
1: networks. Yeah, it's funny. I, I think I've shared this before. One of my first bigger clients uh, from the accounting joint venture that I had in the city and I was like 27 years old, so I'd only had my own business a couple Oh, so years, last year. Last year. Uh, and this lady came in, you know, 60-year-old, executive, like high net worth. And she said to me, why should I take advice from you, like, if you've got less than me? Mm-hmm. And I calmly said, well- You've had a few more years (laughs) with respect to to earn a dollar, but I can tell you compared to my friends and peers, I'm worth about 10 times plus more than them.
2: I mean, this whole concept of you should only take advice from people who've been there is a very dangerous money myth. Um, I mean, there's a very good reason why Roger Federer has a coach who's never played a Grand Slam or even had a tennis ranking. That it's, you know, it's about um, you want someone who is qualified to give you the advice that you need. Well, it's that perspective. Yeah. He can stand behind Roger serving mm. where Roger can't see whatever. Yeah. So the so if you go to, um, and this is particularly pro- problematic in real estate mm. where most of the big spruikers will go, I've got a portfolio of 40 properties. And you go, well, actually, if you make your living out of real estate and you've invested all your net worth in real estate, do you actually understand diversification and risk? And should I really be taking advice from you? But you go to the internet and what's the first piece of advice you're going to get is always take advice from someone who's been there. And that could actually be the most dangerous piece of advice you ever get. Yeah, I. it's funny.
1: I've wrestled with this and I think it's true to a point. So for example... Um, if I ran a health and fitness podcast, you don't want to be fat. I don't want to be overweight. Well, my BMI is <laughs> over. You know what I mean? Like, there is that level of optics. At least it's not my millennial personal trainer. I know it'd be wild. However, I, I I would say you know as one of the myths. Like, don't take your financial advice from broke people. Yeah, but that's a that's a long way from I've yes. got forty properties there you. Should buy property? Yes, absolutely. But I guess what I'm getting at is, would you let the orthopedic surgeon operate on your ankle if he or she has never operated on their own ankle? And of course, you of would. Of course, you would. So, and that's what I mean. So, it is this. Yeah. I mean, you like want I, to sh- I'm experienced in retiring because I've retired lots of people mm. in their 60s. Like, I've retired a lot yep. on behalf of
2: other people. So, it is that tipping point. So, to my mind, in choosing an advisor, the number one thing to look for is, do they look after people like you? Mm. And so, if you want advice around retirement or retirement income, find an advisor that deals with that. Mm. If you are 20-something and you want to work about how do I retire when I'm 30, you want an advisor that understands that. And that probably means someone who understands shares, ETFs. Real estate, whatever, and someone who only does one of those is probably not the place you should be looking. Mm. Well, there you have it. There you go. I'm going to go to the airport, I think. Mm, we better douse this fire, put for the marshmallows way. Yeah.
1: But like anything, this podcast it's worth what you pay for it, people.
2: And it's good night for me. And it's good night. All right.
0: See ya.